Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. If a girl looks like me, I'll go for her. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> this is Emsolation. For me, it was just blank rejection, no sex. <laughs> I don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. <laughs> That's your dream job. Sit at home with a microphone. Judging hot people. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, hello. Welcome. Oh, I feel very Carrie Ann there. Hmm. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 27. Yeah, that's right. 27 of Emsolation. I am your host, the glittery, anxious, fabulous raconteur, M. Rossiano. I love the word raconteur. I only kind of learnt it a couple of years ago. It means a person who can tell stories in a funny and skillful way. And I started calling myself that when I didn't really know what else to call myself. Because, you know, I'm a comedian and I'm a writer and a TV presenter and a broadcaster and a podcaster and a producer and a director and a singer and I run a business. But you sound like a bit of a wanker if someone asks you what you do and you give them 57 job titles. And also in this country, you have to be like a box. You have to be one thing. You can't be all of the things. So I call myself a fabulous raconteur. But you know, all right, mate. You didn't ask my resume, did you? I was just sometimes I just do the sidebar on words. Look, I'm in Victoria, and um, things are a bit grim here. The rest of the country, if you're listening now, you're in WA, you're in Queensland, you're loving life. You're out and about. People went to nightclubs. Imagine all the bodily fluids in WA. I saw. Did you see the video of people entering nightclubs at midnight in WA on the weekend? I think it was Saturday night. Oh my god, it was insane. It was like New Year's Eve, and I was watching people like hug each other and touch each other. I was like, ah, social distancing. That they were not social distancing. They were supposed to. They were told if you're going to a nightclub, stay two meters away from the person next to you. As if. There was so much dry humping and bumping and grinding just happening in the bloody lines. It's crazy. But uh, not us here in Victoria. Oh, my goodness. We are facing stricter lockdowns. 70-odd cases overnight now. We're, I just, I understand that, you know, we have to go into hard lockdown and I just want to say I support Dan Andrews and all that he's been doing and I, I would hate for anyone to think that this is his fault. This is not Dan's fault. And I don't want this to be, I'm worried that the coronavirus is going to be used politically soon and I don't think it should be because I really think he's done a good job. It's not his fault. Some families got together and... Um, you know, break the rules. And I'm sure they're all feeling very bad for that now. But I just want to say, I feel exhausted by the idea of resetting again and having to go back to isolation. Like I know that this podcast came out of isolation and I'll continue to do this podcast forever if I can. But that, you know, the idea of having to tell my 13-year-old daughter, you know, what if school stops again in Victoria? (gasps) Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that we could have to be remote learning again? Homeschooling? For those of you who homeschool, I remote learned because the teachers were still present in my daughter's lives. I want to make that distinction. If you're a teacher, don't angrily at me. And I'm going to have to stop my teenage daughter from going to gaths again. That's what they call parties now, guys. Gatherings shortened to gaths. And I just, the toilet paper, Victoria, I can't. The toilet paper bullshit is happening again. And for the first time in my life, I'm ashamed to be from the big V. What? Who are these people? I'm sure it's none of you. I am completely confident that not one insulation listener from Victoria is stockpiling shit rap because it makes no sense. The other states are fine, you guys. And I just want to say, just say, just say, all the toilet paper in the state, in Victoria, somehow miraculously disappears. Just say, 
I feel confident that Sydney or Adelaide or Tassie would have a square to spare. I feel like that no one would leave us with pooey dags hanging around our buttholes. So I feel like I want names. I think we need to make a toilet paper hoarder registry. Do you know what I mean? And then I want those people publicly named and shamed. And then I want them to pose for a photo when they're walking out with their 12 trolleys of toilet paper. And I want you to be prepared to stand by your dickhead actions. Oh, God, Mike, why are you texting me? What's happened? Oh, you're laughing. My producer's listening and laughing. (laughs) Keep this in. It's hilarious. Thank you. I'm glad to get your feedback, doll. So, please. Stop hoarding the dunny paper in Victoria. And I, again, I know it's not you, but if you know someone who's doing it, for fuck's sake, tell them to knock that shit off. So moving on from that rant. On Friday night, I put on my own little internet show live in your lounge room and Michael and I are going to dissect that more because we deliberately haven't spoken since. We're keeping things fresh. And I, I tiptoe around this stuff with you guys because I appreciate that it's a fine line. I put a lot of content out into the universe. I'm a maker. I'm Instagram posts, stories, Facebook blogs, podcasts, all that stuff. And that all helps me kind of make a name for myself and get a following, which in turn in the past helped me to sell tickets to my live shows. And that's how I make like 70% of my income for the year. And there's always been a distinct line between the stuff I did online and the stuff I did on stage. Basically, one people paid for and one they got for free. But because of COVID-19, I had to make changes. And look, all live performers have had to make changes. And I guess what I'm going to say to you very bluntly, and I haven't said this to you, is I need you guys to change along with me. Friday night went really well, uh, but I want it to be bigger. And I guess I want to say to every single person listening now, this is my new live tour. This is my new version of touring. And I, I really would love you all to get on board with it because I want to grow my online show. And I got home Friday night after I'd done it and I was feeling really pumped at the potential. I felt empowered because I'd forgotten that in the past I'd gone out and made what I wanted to make by myself. And <clears throat> I've always wanted to do a camp, hot mess variety show, you know, with spinning pianos and glitter and just out of control. And I realised I'd been waiting for someone to give me permission to do it. But I guess just like everything else I've done, I, I, I don't need permission as long as I have your support, which I always have. So basically, if you guys agree to come with me, we can make a deal that you'll come with me on this. I can continue to make whatever the fuck I want to make. And I think that TV and broadcasting is missing what I'm making. (laughs) So we're going to go again in a month, all right? And I hope that you all join in and I'm kind of like building my own little TV station in my own little corner of the universe on my terms, which I think is pretty cool. But I just, I want to do another sidebar because this is my podcast and I can. So thank you again for Friday night. There's one song that kept me going through Friday and I had it on repeat And I just was listening to it thinking, I'm going to share this with my podcast people because I think, you know, you like my recommendations. So this is a niche recommendation for one song. So basically when I need, when I need some wind beneath my wings, when I need someone just to gently cut my balls, just to help me through my flaps, sorry, gently cut my flaps. That would be weird. It's not as good a visual. Gently cut my breasts. Okay. No one's cupping, no cupping, just like telling me I'm good. I put on this one song. Okay. So listen to me. When you have a quiet moment today, Pop your headphones on, sit quietly somewhere, close your eyes. Actually, before you close your eyes, look up the Colour Purple soundtrack and play track 24. 
The Colour Purple, the stage show, the Broadway musical, not the TV show with Oprah, the stage show with Jennifer Hudson and Cynthia Erivo. Go to track 24. It's called I'm Here and it's sung by the incredible aforementioned Cynthia Erivo. All right. Now, look, you don't have to, but if you want full body chills, I highly recommend it. If you're a musical fan and and because you're here, there's a good chance you are, you'll know exactly the song I'm talking about and why it's so special. But if I'm introducing you to this multi-level power ballad for the first time, then welcome and you're welcome. Specifically two minutes, I'm getting really down into it now. Specifically two minutes, 29 onwards, has really got me through some shit. I mean, I have screamed it through tears in the rain in my car in my own film clip. Okay, just trust me. Trust me on this. Track 24, the Colour Purple soundtrack, the Broadway version, Cynthia Erivo, I'm here, specifically 229 onwards, life-changing. All right, that's enough for me. God, I've been gone forever. We've covered some ground, as always. We've got MasterChef to discuss, of course. Oh, Poe, finally ran out of time, didn't she? And the TV show Michael Wright's Five Bedrooms on Channel 10 went back to filming for the first time. They had to do some nightclub scenes. He has some good stories. All right, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Well, he's here to discuss Poe flying too close to the sun. Michael Lucas. <laughs> But successfully shooting past the sun and going back into the beautiful galaxy where she belongs. I don't think I've shouted more at MasterChef than I did last night. Like I was sending you capital letter text messages. (laughs) There were so many issues with last night. There's so many things. Obviously, we lost Cool, Calm and Collected New Zealander Tessa, who... For me, my favourite thing about Tessa was she just felt like she was quietly fuming the whole season. Don't you think? Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I really loved, I really loved when she would say, it's all good. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, it's not good, Tessa, I can see. No. I mean, uh, but also she seems delightful. Like I, oh, and I yeah. respected that that was, that was how she navigated those situations. But I, yeah, so, yeah, I've been publicly shamed and told I'm not as good in front of an entire nation. It's all good. I, all good. I just, yeah, and I really relate to swallowing rage. I mean, I'm not as good at it as Tessa is, but gee, I just <laughs> imagine that she goes home and just has some yeah. kind of, I don't know, effigy of the judges that she whips with something. I just want to think that she goes home and unleashes. Maybe she's got a kickboxing basement where she's got bags set up. I don't know. But I hope Tessa has an outlet for her rage, her quiet rage. Tessa, look, if you want an outlet, my advice, huge one-woman national tour, which then becomes a TV special, and then that will have gotten rid of some of your rage. Not all, I, I felt immense rage for Tessa because Jock out and out cheated. Let's talk gave, about that. Okay, all right. This was very controversial. He so contrary. He goes up to Reynolds, who's making a classic Bombalaska in the Bombalaska Olympics with Emilia, who was quietly confident. We'll talk about that too. So anyway, <laughs> old mate Reynolds T one thousand from Terminator Two turns out not a T one thousand. Cracks were showing. Nervous Reynolds sweating. Never seen a man sweat. Never seen a robot sweat. Reynolds sweating, and um, goes up and goes, "Oh, you're going to put a sponge in there." Yeah. Bloody and he'd forgotten, forgotten said sponge. Critical part. Yeah. He would have gone down, he absolutely would have. down. Oh, hang on, he did go down anyway. He did go in the elimination anyway. Yeah, but, but still, yes. He should have gone harder down. Do you know what I mean? Like, if the rules, <laughs> if those rules had been applied to Tessa, who was not told that capers were missing from her, uh, what's the tartar sauce? Her tart hair sauce. Yeah. No one told her about those capers. Jock's like, where are the capers? It's a classic, where are the capers? Your buddy told old mate Reynolds that his classic was missing a classic component 
It made me mad. I mean, oh, it's hashtag Capersgate. It is Capersgate. Fair's fair. You know what? And I don't like Capers in my tartar sauce. I don't even like tartar sauce. Anyway. You're really Team Tessa. I hadn't realised yeah, that you I were was, so on board with her. I liked, well, I'd said to you, the quiet rage. Got me across the line. Every time I'd watch mm. her and I'd kind of write her off and then she'd just, just with steely determination make her way through. But I also loved how super confident Amelia was with going up against Reynolds. With anything she loves a classic else. dish. She, and she kept saying, you know, I stick to the rules. I love the classics. You know, I, you don't have to be inventive. She kept using words like these little secret sledges at Reynolds about how, you know, he's self-taught and he just reinvents the rules. And she's like, you can't. You can't reinvent a classic. <laughs> With her tight bun oh. and her bright red lip. She's really committed. <laughs> but, but, yes, Poe finally ran out of time and her title of Time Necromancer has been ripped off. She presented a creme brulee smoothie and that was not okay for me. No, completely liquid, completely liquid. Apparently it tasted very nice but still liquid. (laughs) Straight to the elimination. And then in the elimination she doubles down and does the two-dish thing. I know. And I loved how she basically told the judges to get fucked. So, yeah. so, so they're coming over and, and she's trying to make this tiny little dessert. She really wants to make it. And she's like, don't say anything, don't say anything, all right? Just don't yell at me. Just just go away. And I love that. I was like, yes, dickheads, yes. Specifically Andy. Go away, Andy. <laughs> Anytime anyone pushes back to Andy in any sense, you are on board. um, You are cheering for that. I know if you're listening and you don't listen to MasterChef, it feels like we've jumped in in the middle, but just come with us because, you know, it's entertaining anyway. But Andy, so the whole first challenge was about classics and fucking Andy was walking around yelling, classic, classic. (laughs) What are we at, the cricket dickhead? Classic. (laughs) And then he kept saying things like, you're either in round, you're either in round two or you're not. I'm like, what's the other choice? He's like, this is either, okay, you're either going to make this a perfect cook or you're not. Oh, he kept doing that. Did like, you wake up at 2am yes. and saying, chanting to yourself, you're in round two or you're not? And then he, well. and then Melissa said about, um, he did the thing that drives me crazy. She said to Reynolds, the flavours were great, really complex mix. I loved the hit of acidity, but your sponge was too thick. Andy straight away, yeah, it was good flavours, but that sponge, mate, it's too much of it. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. I just want Melissa to take out one of her statement earrings and hit him with it. <laughs> oh, she's, uh, yeah, she has the deportment and patience. of It's just godly. I don't know how she sits there and hears herself be paraphrased <laughs> and still looks just sort of so generous. Oh, he's such a bro. And and then there was one, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say about Andy. There's one where I did scream at the telly. He said to uh, he said to Callum, how many creme brulees have you made, Callum? And Callum's like, oh, I've made a few. And then he goes to Jock, oh, yeah, how many creme brulees have you made? And Jock's like thousands. And I yelled, how many creme brulees have you made, dickhead? That would be zero because he just barbecues shit on his little terrace house. <laughs> Can't make a crumble on a barbecue. Okay. All right, backing off, Andy. I'm reversing All right, that. yeah. Just take a deep breath. It's all right. You're not married to him well, and you're not working with him I basic, anymore. I basically am, basically am. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's an in-depth analysis, isn't it? Um... But all right, so before we move on from MasterChef, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think now? 
I'm I'm still I'm hoping I'm hoping for the Poe Reynolds showdown ultimately. That's still, but but who do I? Well, no, actually, that's not true. Reese has really galloped mm. up into my. Yeah. Or do I want a Reese Poe showdown? I don't know. I've got quite a lot of favourite, and I would say that from here on in, oh, I'll be one way or another. Same, same, same. Yep. Tessa was the last kind of. Oh yeah, she's good, but I'm not emotionally invested in her journey. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't say I'm emotionally invested in in Laura's journey, for example, but she's still a very compelling contestant in her own way. Has she recently had a savage haircut? Like her hair looked different last night. Or she just- <laughs> I don't know if it was savage. Maybe she's just sharpening up oh, as she gets right, to okay, the finals. Okay, she's going for a more sort of potent, severe look. This is how I cut no, my I think maybe because we're, we're now we're looking up at that cut from the oh, <laughs> when the she's gantry, on the gantry, yeah. and so it seems sort of. <laughs> Sharper. But also I'm aware of, like, I'm increasingly aware of her and Amelia doing the, yeah, they've got their own little alliance happening. They've got the, you know, oh, white yeah. girls that travel through India alliance happening. And, and OP and with, with a statement haircut and a statement lip. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I feel you. And uh, you? Who do you want? Um, Reese. I really like Reese. Yeah. I, know. I wouldn't be mad if Reese won uh, at all. But, I mean, a Poe Reynolds showdown would be historic and amazing. I'm like... I don't. I mean, as long as it's not Andy, I'm fine. <laughs> I think you're pretty safe on that front. <laughs> Am I though? You never know. He might jump in. Oh, Amelia, just let me have a go at that. Would you love to get out of the way? Um, now it's important for our Emsolation crew to know that you went back to proper shooting last week of Five Bedrooms. We did, and went back to proper shooting, and we're one of the first location-based shoots in the entire world. So there's things like Neighbours that are in the safety of a studio, but we're out there in the world shooting and then we managed to time it after three months of sitting there not doing anything. The week we go back, explosion of cases, 75 cases. But we are still there and it is deeply weird. So what are you doing? Uh, How are you doing things? At the moment, we've, we've still got to finish uncompleted apps that were that we had started and um before the shutdown and in terms of things that are difficult to film in the middle of a pandemic the main thing that we had to shoot last week was a massive nightclub sequence (laughs) that that had some very very amorous moments and so firstly I had to rewrite it so that well like originally we're imagining like a packed like hundreds of people in the club Mm. obviously that's not happening so we had to rewrite the whole sequence so it's like oh the club's a bit empty and it's a bit of a sort of like them having to create their own fun on the dance floor and then we had to find all these like ways of it couldn't be like tongue pashing obviously Mm -hmm. so we had it was like we were writing in the 1940s and we had to like figure out ways to suggest that something's gonna happen that you just don't quite see that might be hotter it might end up being a bit sexier it is actually a pretty good challenge, I've got to say, mm. to see what sort of sassy line can you say and, and, and you know, can the actors drop a certain pointed look that's going <laughs> to lead the audience to think it's just around the corner. I mean, it's, not, it is... it's not drone yacht sex. I mean, we're not doing that. It's not... <laughs> no, but, I mean, if you can find the five-bedroom equivalent of Are You Lost, Baby Girl, I mean, you have hit the jackpot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they really would have. 365 DNI, there's no way that would be shooting in the pandemic, unfortunately, because that was... That was an absolute super spreader. <laughs> it really was. 
I mean, Jesus Christ. But also it's so bizarre for the actors because so they're in the club pretending like it's just a normal, there's no pandemic and they're just putting down in shots and they're dancing and everything like that. But honestly, everyone around them is basically in a hazmat suit. And the weird thing is the, the um, normally one of the weird things about screen acting is, of course, you have to, there's crew members that are right in your face and you have to pretend they're not mm. there. But weirdly, as it's turned out, it's even weirder for them if it's like masked faces and everything like that. Like I was hearing from Cat Stewart saying there's something really strange about acting and you don't get a response from a human face. You've just got this weird PPE mask. So it's just, it's been weird, but they're doing, it's an incredible job. The the one weirdest thing for me is we attempted to do a a read, we always do read-throughs of two episodes at a time. So for the writers so that we can, you know, uh, understand if it's working or not or what we need to cut and change, we attempted to do it via Zoom. And... Normally, the great thing about a read-through is there's some comedic moments and you get a bit of feedback and everything like that. But the problem on Zoom is only the people delivering the dialogue turn their mic on. Mm. And so the joke's just dead silence. And I, I, myself and the co-writer need to bring each other for counselling afterwards (laughs) because it was was like going out there and it was an hour and a half of non-stop reading of scripts to just dead yawning silence. And I thought of you. Yeah, you should. It's a beautiful segue. (laughs) Thank you. Because in the same week that I was going back to my uh, creative pursuits, professional pursuits, you attempted your first live show via... The interwebs. By the interwebs. How was it? It, look, uh, it was good. I mean, I really got home feeling, and I've kind of said this in the intro, pumped because I can move forward with this. But I guess the backstory to putting this show on is I was told for months not to do it. I was told by other performers, don't do it. People won't pay. It'll damage your live brand. You know, what happens when you do end up going on tour? Like I had so many people telling me not to do it, but my gut kept saying, do it. Mm. This is the way, this is this is the new way. And so we went into Friday and I was feeling a bit nervous. Um, and then what I haven't told you or anyone, Scott knew because I called me into panic, at about four o'clock my director came over to me and said, there's a real problem with the stream. And I said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> and he said, we, we realised, unfortunately too late, that the company Crowdcast, which is the platform I was using, don't have a server in Australia. So the signal has to bounce to the States first and then bounce back to Australia. <laughs> So yes. How was this only found out a couple of hours before? Because they don't advertise it anywhere. They take your Australian event, they do all that, but it took my clever director, Liam, some very serious digging around and strong emails to them saying, look, all of Australia is going to be watching. This is her trial. This will be very, to finally get them to kind of go, yeah, look, we don't actually have a server in Australia. So you should have seen me. I threw Mm. up. I threw up. Oh, God. And I said, you threw up, then you guzzled rosé. I did. No, like I threw up, and so all my prep went out the window. Normally, I run the jokes. I write myself a little dot point. Like I get really centered, and I spend some time listening to music. But I just went into complete panic mode. I started spiraling. I was like, "You guys, if this doesn't get up, people are never going to trust me again. They're not going to want to come and watch another one. I get one shot at this. I get one go at making this good, so that I can build it." And they're like, we know, we know it's going to be. So we did, we, they said, we're going to try tweak some things and try some things. I had 10 amazing AV gays. It was a completely homosexual crew, thank God. <laughs> and, um, and they were all busy working away. And I went backstage and started getting ready and I was crying. And I was just like, 
I just, I'm trying so hard to keep my career going and I just feel like I'm just going to let it. Oh, you should have seen me. And I had everyone backstage in tears. Like they're all just like, we know, we know. And then. Oh, fuck, it would have been so good if this was a rockumentary. <laughs> this would have been, for those, for devotees <laughs> of like the Katy Perry movie or the Madonna movie, like there's nothing better than the leading lady breaking down moments before stage. I oh. was. And Danny, my stage, my the guy who does all my costuming and sets, Danny Petrovsky, amazing. He's like, M, you've just got to be Katy Perry in Rio. I'm so glad you mentioned Katy Perry. <laughs> because it, there's, in Katy Perry's documentary, the moment Russell Brand breaks up with her, her husband over the phone, she's moments away from playing at like 100,000 people in Rio. And as they're pushing her up on stage on her platform, she's got tears streaming down her face and makeup artist is brushing them away and then she just puts a smile on and appears on oh, stage. Paralysed with grief, absolutely paralysed. And then oh. she gets up there and she's like, California girls. <laughs> she's got cream shitty on her tits, like the whole thing. I'm going to come out and say as superbly entertaining as your show was, I reckon some of what you'd been through was apparent when you came in, but in a good oh, way. You turned it into gold. It was but you did come on like someone who had been through oh. a severe emotional trauma and was feeling pretty loose. I was a mess. I'm sorry if that was, I'm normally very professional on stage. I mean, professional in a loose way, but I know my shit. I hit my marks. Like it's all pretty tight. But Friday night, I felt like my, the edges of my brain were starting to fray and dissolve. I couldn't grab anything. I couldn't read anything. Lucy and my daughter were losing their minds. I was laughing so much because they could see I was so frazzled and it wasn't helpful. Lucy, my PA and I said, Michelle, oh, it was entertaining. It wasn't just, I was laughing oh my and I could gosh. see on the comments. Everyone was, I mean, it was just sort of part of the ride. It was we, such a we ride. That you embraced it. You made it the show. Oh, so, but, so, so I'm backstage and crying. I'm crying. I have my Katy Perry moment. And then Liam races and he goes, Em, we've figured it out. We've just got to lower the quality of the stream. And I said, okay. <laughs> what do you, and so they showed me and like, obviously I've been used to looking like a Minecraft character coming from my house out in the bush. So the stream still looked fine. They took it from like 25 HD to like 20 or something stupid. Didn't even yeah. notice. And um, so I like bucked up, re- color my makeup artist, reapplied my lashes and um, I went out on stage and and I did it. And <laughs> we got it, you know, we got a decent number. I'd love more and I think we're going to get more. I think this was a trial, but I got home and I just, I felt on top of it. I was like, I'm going to be Oprah. I'm going to build my own fucking TV. <laughs> yeah. Reinvent a whole new way of doing things. Direct to the public. Well, it, this is the thing. And like, I, I kind of touched on this in my intro that um, I had a lot of artists now since kind of contact me and go, oh, do you think this is something could work? Because... You know, people are going to have to reevaluate and review the way they see their favourite makers, and and you're going to have to put more of a value on it, and you're going to have to maybe pay for stuff you normally got for free, because it's just so important that we all be able to continue to make stuff. But also, I was able to pay an entire crew and people who haven't mm. worked in six months. My band, this is their first gig since December. Do you know, like, it, it's just my costume maker, my set, like 40 people were employed off Friday night and I wanted to get bigger and bigger. So, yeah, I just, I feel like, oh, my God, this could be a thing. Like, I could, I could seriously have my own network. I mean, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I was surprised at how much, when I was watching it, I mean, i just come off a very big week and mm. I'll be honest, I was having a lot of rosé, but that was very much in the spirit of the event. Yes. I was surprised how I, my fear about it w- was that it would be just like watching a taped thing mm. and there wouldn't be that sort of sizzle of it being oh, no, live. it was live. But, yeah, <laughs> 
know. And also it did feel interactive. I mean, I was able to send through some questions and comments. But but it, but it, I was surprised how much it felt. Yeah, it did It did still give me that tingle of excitement of seeing something live and special and exclusive. It was exclusive. But better yet, I was in my pyjamas. Yes. With the bottle of wine. This, so it was yes. kind of cathartic. This is what I've been trying to peddle. Like I've been trying to sell a variety show to every TV network that'll let me in their door. I've been trying for 10 years and it's just like they don't – people want to sit at home and watch someone else put in all the effort but still feel like they're having a night out. Like not all of us are party animals. And I also love the idea of the internet because I can have a drink of wine. I can drop the C-bomb. I can like talk to my crew and say I've stuffed up. It's not – slick it's real but also sparkly and I just think it's it's this whole new way of being that our audiences are ready for but I think other people aren't they're not willing to let go of the control so I'm just gonna do yeah. it and if it doesn't work fine but god imagine if it does <laughs> oh I know incredible <laughs> I also, I have to say, I particularly loved how many times you would bring up your board of notes of jokes so that just so we could see. <laughs> there was a plan here. There was. Again, I think you did it about four times. You go away off track because I just got to show you again. Look, here we are. Look at this. this. I did the work. I did the work. I just, in the end, I could really deliver that whole show again as I scripted it in a month. Like I just did, I barely touched it. So, you know. It sort of reminded me of like, I don't know, people who had commissioned some sort of building going to a site and being like, why is there this, there's this crazy sculpture here. We wanted an apartment building. She's like, well, I got, here's the plans. No, I have them. I did the plans. Instead, you've got something beautiful. I also loved it how the show sort of ended and then you went back to, like, have another private word with the audience as well. I love the private words. Every show should have private words. And that's what the segment will be called, private words. Private words. Can I have the private words, camera, please? Um, Because sometimes – but I was in this cavernous room with – like 20 millennial gays who the jokes weren't pitched at, let's be real. So I was not getting the laughs and I really, the only thing and I was really sad about about 4am because I didn't sleep at all Friday night, um, mainly because I was drinking rosé straight from the bottle and like could not sleep because my body temperature was just trying to cope. But um, <laughs> I just feel like I'm, I was very sad to not have my people in the room and so hopefully we can get on top of this whatever's happening in Melbourne and I can start allowing people in the room because that's the element because when I'm my improv is at its best when I can bounce off the crowd. So that's the only element missing is that live aspect. But we are working on roller skaters. You for the even, next one. All you would need is you'd really only need like 12, 12. and it would probably be yeah. enough. I think wh- 12 whatever. of your fans, yeah. oh. 24 <laughs> bottles of rose, and 10, and 10 behind the scene gays. It's amazing. It's yeah. my dream. <laughs> All it's right. utopia. It's my utopia. All right. I think we've got that. Was very in our head cares. Um, I just have to say, I mean, we have had uh, from Friday night, the, the response has been incredible and I was so nervous about how like scattered I was, but people did seem to really love it. So thank you if you've sent me messages because you did buoy me a lot. Like I feel I can do this. I feel like we can do it. It's going to be, it's just going to get wilder each month. We're going to do it once a month, just so everyone knows. I have to say, given the bar you've set, imagining it even wilder <laughs> is, that's a... That's a dazzling No, I sent an email Saturday to Danny and said, please find me four roller skaters. 
Oh, my God. I'm also up for the... I want surprise guests too. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. But I couldn't have a surprise guest until I knew... No, 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 of course. You've got to... Well, you're going to be the first... People are gagging for you to be the guest on the next one, so... (gasps) Do they want me to sing? (laughs) Oh, my God, please sing. Yes. We should definitely do a duet. We should just go ahead and do it. We haven't even spoken about. Listen, on Thursday, preemptively, we need to talk about the fact that um, I've been approached by Disney. That's a teaser. That's a teaser for Thursday's ep. I have been approached. Disney, listen to our podcast from last week and us gushing about Hamilton. Oh my God, which is happening this week, this Friday, but we're not going to talk about it yet. Disney have approached. Disney want me as a part of the Disney family. Oh my God. As an and as an extension, you in the Disney family. So, but we'll talk about that. It's <laughs> very exciting. Dreams really can come through. They true. Absolutely it's, can. Oh my god! <laughs> when you wish upon a star, it's wild. Anyway, thank you. Good, good reference. All right, I'll uh, talk to you later because we still have to debrief on a few things that I can't put to air. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. All, all right. I'll talk to you later. Look forward to it. Okay. Bye. 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 This is Emsolation. All right, gang. That's it for episode twenty-seven of Emsolation. What should we call it today? Hot mess, probs. I am a hot mess, aren't I? That's what I want to call my show, Friday Night Hot Mess. What do you think, you in? Or Glitter and Good Intentions. What about that? It's probably a bit wordy. Hot mess is good. You know what else title I love? Blood, Sweat and Sequence. Oh, all of those things could be on my gravestone. Could be the name of an autobiography. Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, we'll be back Thursday as teased. We've got more things to discuss. Disney. Disney have heard Michael and I and um, want to be a part of the Emsolation family. We, we'll think about it. <laughs> no, we'll give you more information on Thursday. It's pretty, I'm pretty excited. Not just the Emsolation. They just want M. They, Disney want to align with me. Did you think you'd ever hear that sentence? <laughs> I'm quite happy, to be honest. Um, we obviously have to talk about Hamilton. It's going to be on the telly on Friday. Michael and I are well pumped, as you know, if you listened to last week's pod. But that's all from me. Um, yeah. Tell your friends about Emsolation. Subscribe. If you're in Melbourne, please just keep your germs to yourself and stop with the toilet paper. Right? Just calm down. Can't have it anymore. I can't. It's pushed me over the edge. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.